This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hey everyone, welcome to Round Ball Stew. I am Matt Straub. It is Wednesday, July 6th, and today we'll be talking about some recent takeaways from NBA Free Agency and Summer League with Brad Stonebreaker. That is coming up in a bit, but first, we have a special guest joining the show. It is the Celtics reporter for NBC Sports Boston, Chris Forsberg. Chris, thanks for being here, man. Appreciate it. What's going on, Matt? How are you? Hey, good, man. Good. You know, for starters, I want to ask you, this is a fantasy basketball podcast first and foremost, Mm. so I'm wondering... Do you have any experience with and or opinions of fantasy basketball? Do you love it? Do you hate it? Used to love it, now hate it. Where are we at? Yeah, you know, I think you nailed it with the last part. So uh, I'm the guy <laughs> who was terrible at, uh, at updating his lineup and eventually okay. got to the point where uh, I was so I was just so delinquent on it that I clearly, my team was always lingering in last place. So I lost interest. Then my friends got mad because I was making stupid trades and just dragging down the league. So uh I, I self-retired from fantasy sports some years ago, uh, just because again, my, my own my own laziness. I do I do think I got one like one title with my friends, and I, I forget it was like the, the worst roster ever. It just happened that you know it's, it had the right the right mix, and and that's all I hang my hat on. I I, I don't know how people do it. like the daily stuff, especially. Uh, yeah, I, I can barely remember to brush my teeth. So uh, credit to everybody who can can kind of hang in there and, and do it on a daily. Hey, you got the title, and it doesn't matter what the <laughs> roster looks like. The, the it was like team the, rarely it wins. Was, it was like the bubble title. Like, I don't think it's a real title. I feel like there was like maybe maybe there was like four teams in the league at that point. But I, right. I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna still own it. It goes down. It goes down in history books. And you're right. It is a uh, ridiculous commitment. I don't know. <laughs> I, I've had to. I had to retire from fantasy baseball. That's the compromise I made. Mm. Uh, that's the, that's the only break I give myself. Um, all right. Well, we wanted to talk to you about this Celtics roster and. Um, you know, I mean, we're going to talk about this from a fantasy standpoint, but really it's just general outlooks and that helps fantasy managers. So obviously after the run to the finals, the big move the Celtics made was trading for Malcolm Brogdon from the Pacers. So let's start there. What, what are your thoughts on this backcourt rotation when we add Brogdon to the mix? What does it mean for him and what does it mean for everyone else? Yeah, it's been interesting. Even even Celtics fans up here when they, they trade for a Malcolm Brogdon and they're excited. But, you know, to me, Marcus Smart is coming off best year of his pro career, finally got right. thrown the keys, finally hasn't had someone else. Like, think about it. He's always had Kyrie and Isaiah Thomas and Kemba. And now finally he's the guy. And the Celtics numbers when Marcus Smart was on the court were fantastic, especially because of that starting five and how good it was. So I, I do think Marcus Smart is the starter. And when I said that, on Twitter after the trade, a lot of people got all up in my mentions and angry about it. Like, no, you don't trade for $22 million yeah. Malcolm Brogdon and put him on the bench. Unfortunately, the Celtics have the best starting five in the NBA. So even if it's Al Horford or whoever you think might get subbed out of that starting lineup, I don't think it happens at the start of the year. And again, their, their focus was defense. And not that Malcolm Brogdon can't do that. I just think they have a good thing and a good mixture with that group. The other thing, Malcolm Brogdon's injury history is, is, right. is something that's like hovers over all of this. And so you don't necessarily want to play that guy 30 minutes a night. I think, you know, you want to get about 28, something like that. But um, I think he's more here to, to run the second team offense, to 
do what he does in crunch time and, and be out there in, in maybe some smaller ball lineups and sharing the floor with Marcus Smart. But I'd be very surprised if Smart's minutes take a huge hit. Now, I, one thing I would say in just like the overall scheme of things, yeah. Celtics ran out of gas there in the finals. I think you're going to see a lot of minute totals and maybe by, by that measure, a lot of their production come down a little bit next year. And that's why they, they beefed up their depth. I think Ime understandably rode seven, eight guys for most of the season. I think they'd like to bring that down so that they're a little bit fresher if they're fortunate enough to be back in that title mix. So it sounds like we think Smart's minutes and numbers are relatively safe, even after the arrival of Brogdon. Brogdon, if he's running that second unit, I assume takes a pretty significant hit numbers and minutes wise. And so I'll ask you about that. Would you agree with that statement? And secondly, what about Derek White in this whole equation? Yeah, I, I do think Brogdon's numbers overall, you know, I forget what his shot total was last year, but I can't imagine he'll get up there. Now, they will need second unit creators and, and, right. and shot takers. You know, there's only so much that a, you know, last year it was Derek White, Grant Williams, and Peyton Pritchard were essentially your bench. And so you need players that are willing or at least able to create. I think I could see Brogdon's assist numbers staying steady if those guys knock mm-hmm. down shots. Some of that will come down to how much they develop. Um, I think we'll see a lot of Brogdon white lineups, you know, two ball handlers, um, let, let white play off the ball a little bit more, maybe his more natural position. He needs to get his own shooting numbers up a little bit. I think the the one concern when he got traded here from San Antonio was that he hadn't really done well with that over its course of his career. But when you play for the Celtics and you, you know, invariably you're running with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown lineups, your, your, your shot quality goes up. And so I think we'll see, you know, Brogdon will benefit from that, not being a focal point of the defense. Um, so it's going to be really, it's going to be that balance. I just think back to like last year, the Celtics go out and get Dennis Schroeder. One of the reasons it didn't work was Dennis Schroeder needed, you know, 20 shots a night and was walking the dog right. up the floor. And so right. I think they're hopeful that Brogdon is a better quarterback for that second unit and that he finds a better balance of like when to go for his own offense. But yeah, I, I can't see his numbers being super glitzy when he's probably the, the fifth or sixth best player on the team, depending on yeah. like, or, or at least the, the most prominent based on the minute distribution. It feels like a guy who has been super fantasy relevant when on the floor is now kind of headed for the fringes of waiver wires mm-hmm. and the end of rosters. And and speaking of when he's on the floor, you've already alluded to this, Brogdon has averaged barely over 50 games total the last five mm-hmm. seasons. Have the Celtics said anything about his health and durability and and the plan for that? Has that been has that come up at all in the wake of Brogdon arriving? Yeah, not yet. And obviously the moratorium lifting today, maybe they'll be able to finally talk about this in the coming days. But I do think, yeah. you know, especially when the the deal goes down, a lot of the the feedback that we heard from from fans is, oh man, like how are they gonna play all three of these guys? Well, smart probably twice a year, dives into a the front row of the stands trying to save a loose ball and hurts himself. Um, Derek White. It has been pretty durable, but again, hasn't played a ton of minutes and has been in a reserve role at times. So I do think there's minutes for everybody here uh, at the guard position. The guy I'm wor- worried about, and, and again, this is probably more on the on the periphery of, of fantasy as well, is you know Peyton Pritchard, who mm-hmm. was stuck behind Schroeder at the start of last year, finally got a chance probably mid-season, made some strides, like has the ability to come in and get hot quick and, and knock down a bunch of threes. Um, but if he's not getting the, the amount of minutes, can he maintain that production? Can he be... Uh, sort of that microwave score for them. It's going to be a little bit more difficult. And again, I do think they want to temper the minutes with Brogdon, make sure he stays healthy, you know, keep smart fresh for, for later in the year. And so uh, uh, when injuries pop up, that's going to be when you're going to want 
Brogdon on your roster, right? Because then he's just plug and play right. on that first unit. He's going to get a ton of assists working with that. He's going to get a ton of opportunities because Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown have taken on more of the ball handling responsibility. So uh, it, it definitely you got to pick your spots, I would say, when it comes to, to Brogdon and the guard rotation. Yeah, that makes sense. Let, let's turn our attention to the, the two biggest stars in this roster, obviously Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. We saw their numbers this past season land in, a, especially in terms of counting stats, you know, the surface numbers, mm-hmm. land in a pretty similar spot to where they were the year before. You know, maybe a, a small increase here or a small decrease there. You know, Jalen Brown's scoring went down a little bit, but overall the numbers were pretty similar. So, I mean, uh, just looking at this team, is there room for these two to do more given the makeup of this roster? Or, or are we really, even though they're young guys, young ascending guys, are we kind of seeing their peak? Are we seeing them level off because of how good and how deep this team is? Yeah, I, th- I think their usage rate will continue to climb. They've tried to put the ball in their hands. And again, that's the balance. It's so crazy that everyone here after the Celtics had so many turnovers in the playoffs were like, they need more ball handling. And that's part of the reason the team certainly wanted Malcolm Brogdon as a backup. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, when those guys are on the court, you want Jason Tatum with the ball in his hands. And I think we saw one of his greatest growths last season was the way he started spraying the ball around more. You know, not yeah. only assists, but what the assists led to. Like, there were nights where his uh, points created off assists was was off the charts. And so I think you continue to see him evolve in that role for him and Jalen to have their usage rate go up. Now, Jalen's got to be k- more careful with the ball. You know, he, one of his things has always been he doesn't want to just be stuck in the corner and settling for catch and shoot. But mm-hmm. both him and Tatum were sloppy at times during those finals, especially. I can't see their point production changing too much. They're still going to carry so much of that burden. You know, Al Horford, Robert Williams, they're going to chip in there and Marcus will get his points and the bench guys as well. But, you know, I think you look at Tatum and Brownie sitting there and saying, are they pushing 60 points combined tonight? You know, Tatum should be up closer um, to 30 points per game if, if everything's going right, depending on the creation. And I think just eventually Tatum's going to be in that triple-double kind of category where it's not a surprise every time he does it. Uh, just because as the assist numbers go up, he's active on the glass. Um, needs to be because of the Celtics, the way they play on that back line. So I still think there's a, a ton of value in those guys, even if and even if their minutes creep back a little bit, I think their efficiency should, you know, equal out to what you lose in the in the overall production. So 4.4 assists per game for Tatum last year. I think it was, if memory serves correctly, game one of the finals where he shot like three for 17, but had 13 assists. So maybe yeah. a maybe a preview of, of him, uh, a spike as a playmaker, like you mentioned, which is pretty intriguing for fantasy. So Al Horford was great last really good last season and, yeah. and pretty much great in the postseason, as we all remember. At age 36, though, uh, what's the sense? I mean, how much do you think they're going to manage his regular season games and minutes as we try to figure out what the hell to do with this guy as fantasy managers <laughs> next season coming off this great run late in the season? I, I don't I, I don't know what to tell you. Like, I, I feel like, and it's so funny because, like, he never puts up those eye-popping numbers. He, I think he had one 30-point game this year, and it was, like, the highest of his career. And we're all like, really? Al Horford, all, all, all that he's accomplished, he hadn't had more 30-point games, but he's more likely to have the 10 rebounds, six assists, four blocks, you know? Uh, he does fill up that stat line when he's out there. I, again, I do think you'll see his minutes in particular come down. And, look, he was really revitalized coming off that OKC year and not playing a lot. But mm-hmm. I think he played three, almost 3,000 minutes this past year, which is a ton for a guy his age and the, the, the playoff grind. I think they'd really like to keep him in that. You know, it's hard because Ime does lean on his horses. So right. I can't tell you, like, I know they'd love to keep Al somewhere in that probably 25, 28-minute range, um, keep him away from 30, and yet invariably you get into these big games and you're leaning on him. I mean, in the playoffs, he was up at 38 some nights. So, yeah. um, but, but I think they're, they're hopeful again. Like, he is so vital to that defense and what they do. 
can you get away playing him the the first six minutes of, of each half and finding a spot in the, in the second and then leading on him at the finish line of the fourth? But I do think, you know, and I'm sure we'll get into it, does the, will Gallinari take some of those minutes? Can you go small and put Tatum at the four? You know, how much do you want to lean on even Robert Williams? And we, as he starts to break out, can you do you want to play him upwards of 30 with his own injury history? Right. So I think the more you can – the more depth you can have – whether it's at the guard or the wing position, the less you'll have to lean on those guys. So I, I would assume, I don't think Al's numbers will be as great as they were last year because he's just not going to play quite as much. Uh, and yet, invariably, if you need someone to, to make sure you're getting blocks and assists and, and rebounds and all the, the, the grunt work, uh, it's too bad you can't get like you know solid points for solid defense around the rim and uh, deterring Giannis and, and all that because yeah. uh, the, it's the little stuff with, with Al. Yeah, he does somehow manage to turn those into into stats and is a guy who I think is going to fall in fantasy drafts because of his age and and everyone's just assuming the cliff is coming at some point. But you, you mentioned the, the next guy I want to talk about, and that's Robert Williams. Is the knee a lingering concern heading into this season? Yeah. And and I'll ask you this, like after a season where he basically averaged a double-double with two blocks, is, is there a ceiling for much more with this guy? I mean, we know how explosive and how athletic he is, but you know, can you envision much more in terms of numbers on this roster? Oh, yeah. I think I think we've just scratched the surface with Rob. And I know that sounds crazy to say, but, you know, whether it, it, it's mostly going to be defensively. I think you'll see the mm-hmm. block number go back to uh, to maybe what it was earlier in his career. He was a little bit more, you know, grounded this year. And part of that was like the injury history. I think part of it was just trying to be more disciplined. But what the, really unlocked the Celtics defense and pretty much from January on, they moved them into the free safety role kind of put him on a corner shooter, let him roam. Uh, and so I think you're just going to see the block. The rebounding numbers were surprisingly down. I don't know if that was more the knee or just, the, again, the scheme. Um, I think some of that will have to go up if, if he's like the only five on the court. But then the offensive production. He's a, he has like a sneaky mid-range game that we haven't seen a whole lot of. I, I keep telling people eventually, because Brad Stevens and, and the Celtics do this with everybody, he will be stretched out to a three-point shooter. I don't think it will happen this year. Um, but hopefully with more point guards on the roster now too, that can get him the ball where he needs to. There'll be more alley-oop lobs and uh, dunk finishes. And so I think you'll see him go up to a more consistent 12 point per night scorer, you know, probably getting more rebounds. I think, the, like I said, the block numbers are well. And the other thing is he's a great passer. A lot yeah. of what, as we start to see Al's numbers across the board sort of come down, I think you'll see Robert Williams start to go up and uh, a lot of the a lot of it across the line where it's not maybe the the points and rebounds that jumps out but he it's just he, he gets he's gonna have nights where he has five blocks I mean you think back first round of the playoffs last year nine blocks against like he's gonna get I keep saying he's the he, he's the next guy in the NBA to get a five by five game and I don't know when it's coming but it, it's uh-huh. coming because assists steals everything he gets his hand in a little bit of everything all right, you heard it first right here. Chris Forsberg said November 18th, Robert <laughs> yes. Williams will have a 5x5 five five game. Mm-hmm. And I think you raise a great point about the assists. I'm glad you brought that up because two per game this year, I mean, that's a pretty good number for a big man, and it sounds like he's got room to do even better there. And and we've seen it when we've watched him play. Like The guy is a good passer. So I think many of us diehard fantasy players are going to be fighting each other to draft the Time Lord this upcoming season. Uh, just a couple more questions for you, man. This has been great. Another new Celtic is a former Atlanta Hawk. That's Danilo Gallinari. What are your thoughts initially on his fit and how he's going to fit into all this? Like, how much do you have? A, do you have a guess or a sense of how much playing time he's going to get in Boston? 
Well, for, I'm gonna I'm gonna answer, and then with the the Trey Young and John Collins jersey hanging behind you, I'm gonna I'm gonna yeah. flip the script and, and hope hope you give a more educated answer. So okay. I think one of the things that, that that shown through in the in the finals, especially, was that the Celtics just didn't have any veteran bench depth that they could lean on. Mm. And um, so when Grant Williams goes cold and Peyton Pritchard and Derek White, you know who are you, who are you going to? They had nobody, and they had nobody really that could spell Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown on the perimeter, just in terms of eating three minutes at the four or the three, you know, whatever the, the case may be. And just having another body out there, a big body, uh, instead of a six, four guard, like, which was essentially all their bench was. So I do think there's a role here for him. And I do think he's going to hit a bunch of shots. He's going to get the shot quality, even as good as it was in Atlanta with Trey young doing all those things and John Collins rolling up the basket and compelling and all it's going to go up. And I just think he's going to probably be another 38% three point shooter on, on yep. high attempts. And he's going to have nights where like two years ago against the Celtics, when he hit those 10 threes and, Celtics fans are salivating over that game. So I do think there's a role there. My, my question is, you know, maybe it doesn't matter to fantasy because, uh, you know, it'll happen in the postseason, but can you keep him out there consistently defensively? And, you know, that's always been the concern. I think it's it's not the issue of like a small guard where they're just unplayable at times, but he does have to yeah. be able to switch a pick and roll and, and guard Steph Curry. And I don't know if he's can do that consistently at 34 years old. So that might bite into his playing time a little bit because of how defensive-minded Boston is. And yet I can see so many instances where they just need a little bit of a bench spark and all mm -hmm. of a sudden him and Brogdon are out there running pick and rolls and pick and pop threes. And so I, I can see the the scoring numbers and, and rebounding too, you know, because again, the Celtics don't have a lot of big bodies when you take Al or Robert Williams off the floor. You know, I can see him still finding a way to kind of own those categories. You know, we think of him as an outside shooter, which he is is still a really good outside shooter. I think the the other area where Gallinari is really good is post ups, and he yeah. he just like he can you know you get a switch and he can just kind of punish like a smaller guy who gets switched onto him, and it's not always pretty, but the guy's incredibly good at getting to the free throw line. He just he just manufactures free throws. I mean, you're like this is not good basketball, but but he he flails, he pump fakes, he you know he throws mm -hmm. his arms up and he he gets foul calls. So. That's that's a huge asset to a team, I think, having a guy who can do that in like the second quarter of a playoff game, you know. And uh, yeah, I mean, in terms of fantasy, he's probably pretty much off the radar, except in the case we were talking about with Brogdon earlier. You know, if there's a couple guys out or something, he could mm -hmm. be like a plug and play one night kind of guy. Where I mean, I could see there being, I don't know, five to ten games this season where Gallinari scores like twenty plus points, but it feels like he's going to be like a ten point per game score for yeah. Boston probably. And that's all they're looking all right. for. And but but I love yeah. your I love your idea about the post because the Celtics don't have a lot of guys that can kind of own that post. And Tatum's still learning to do that. And Jalen's actually pretty good. But yeah. certainly the size gives him that ability to to punish that matchup. Yeah, yeah, he's really good down there. Very crafty. Um, a guy who used to be super athletic now really crafty. Um, are are there any? Lastly, last thing for you. Are, are there any sleepers? We, we've hit most of this roster at this point. Mm. Any sleepers on Boston's roster we should keep an eye on? Either either like a guy who, who could make a surprising impact from the get-go or a guy who might be one injury away? Yeah, so, I mean, the guy that pops to mind is the only one we really haven't focused on is Grant Williams, and I yeah. think he was up over 40%, especially from that corner. Mm -hmm. You know, there's value there. There's going to be shots. I do think you have to start figuring out what your Al Horford's succession plan is at the four spot, and does Grant figure into that? You know, there were times last season, if I wondered because of, of Al's age, if Grant would sort of slide into that, starting role and maybe Al would come off the bench and certainly now with Brogdon in play does you know do the Celtics think about 
you know, sort of going double ball handler and going smaller and moving Tatum to the four, Robert Williams at the five. You know, there'll be options for Ime this year that, that could unlock, you know, maybe the statistical categories for some of their more uh, familiar guys. And so I'm eager to see how that plays out. Pritchard, too, you know, again, like he's got scoring potential in him, but it's just such a dice roll at the start with so many ball handlers on the court. Um, I, I just go back to it. And, like, look, my whole thing up here, I thought Robert Williams was going to be really good from the start. And, um, you know, I'm, I've kind of taken my victory lap because even though the injury history has been there, I think he yeah. showed a little something gutting out those NBA finals on the knee. You know, he had surgery right before the, the playoff started, came back, got a, got a bone bruise. If he can play through stuff like that, he's right. going to give you, you know, 25, 30 quality minutes a night, even as they try to keep that number low. And I just think, you know, if he's out there, the statistical numbers are going to pop. And it, it, some nights it might not be the points. You might be like, oh, man, he only got me two points tonight. But he might cut you six blocks and four four assists, and you know right. just do all the do all that time lord stuff. So uh, yeah, everybody everybody needs to jump on him. I like if I if I if I ever got back in, if I unretired, if I got my if I, if I got my keyboard out of the out of the closet for 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 fantasy season. Honestly, behind Tatum and Brown, like he's my next guy in, for for the Celtics, and yeah. um, probably some positional versatility. I don't know what they list them as, but you know, obviously they use them as a sort of a power forward in terms of uh, the defensive scheme. So uh, jump on the, jump on the time Lord bandwagon would, would always be my, that's like, that's my advice to just people I meet in the street for the first time. And, yeah. but, but especially, but especially for, for fantasy players, the people at the coffee shop are like, why are you telling me this? Like, why are you talking about Robert Williams? <laughs> Man, right I, I, I just asked for directions. Why, why, why are you telling me about Robert Williams? So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I will say if there's one thing I want, fantasy managers who listen to this podcast to take away it's what you said about robert williams and if there's one thing i want the people in my league to hopefully not listen to it's what you said about robert williams <laughs> my leagues i should say and by the way i heard a little spark there if i ever take the keyboard back out chris i'm sensing it the, mm. the, the embers are, are potentially being rekindled here so hopefully we've uh we've got a spark <laughs> for you to return to the game uh you can follow this guy on twitter at chris forsberg is there an underscore at the end of that chris? there is there is Hide like an underscore there's a Swedish uh, IT manager who uh, stole my <laughs> stole my my my, my actual Man. name. One day, one day I will meet him and wrestle him. So um, all right, we'll it's see what at happens. Chris Forsberg underscore on Twitter. Check him out on the Celtics Talk podcast as well. Anywhere you find your podcast, Chris, this was great, man. Thanks for stopping by. Tons of great insights. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Matt. All right, Brad Stonebreaker is going to join me to talk free agency in a second. First, we're going to take a very quick break. At Amica Insurance. We know it's more than a life policy. It's about the promise and the responsibility that comes with being a new parent. Being there day and night. And building a plan for tomorrow, today. For the ones you'll always look out for, trust Amica Life Insurance. Amica. Empathy is our best policy. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com, to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Life is a highway. 
And on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. And want to remind you that if you don't have the NBC Sports Predictor app powered by PointsBet, go download it now. The contests are free and easy to play. And you'll have a shot to win thousands by predicting what will happen to Major League Baseball on the PGA Tour and NASCAR Circuit. We also have a special contest on Tuesdays and Thursdays called Battle of the Bets, where you can agree or disagree with our experts for a shot to collect some cash. Let's bring in Brad Stonebreaker right now. Brad, first things first, how are you, man? How's your summer? How, I, I, think, I think I can say that to you now. It's, we're far enough into it. We may have some data. How's your summer? Yeah, summer is really good. Off season's nice. Uh, it's yeah. never totally silent, but it's definitely slower and warming up definitely. So yeah, all good things. How, how about yourself? Nice. Uh, yep, good. I was gone last week. Took a trip to Maine, um, right. and uh, I'm back. Ready. Uh, it appears some things happened while I was gone, and we are going to get into some of the things that did happen, and some of the things that haven't happened yet. Uh, first of all, though. Celtics wise, anything that really stood out to you from that uh, twenty or so minutes of with Chris Forsberg? I thought there was a ton of great stuff, but but what jumped out at you most of all? Yeah, a hundred percent. The Brogdon stuff probably the most interesting. Um, mm-hmm. Our last blurb on our website did say and confirm that Brogdon would be a sixth man, which kind of was the expectation. And I honestly think it's going to help him. I think he'll play a few less minutes. I still think he'll play a ton, but I think he'll play a few less minutes every night and therefore maybe avoid being hurt all the time and might if we're lucky he, he'll be able to play 60 65 games I'm, I'm not holding out hope for that but that would be yeah. that, that would be awesome because it seems like we haven't seen that in in uh in years so I, th- I think that's good i think he's still a standard league guy i think he's going to get enough minutes to do so um i, I just looked on points bet too he's plus 2000 for six man of the year uh, which I feel like has has some value to it. Um, there's plenty of guys ahead of him there. So uh, yeah. any any betters out there? Just a little tidbit for. for I you. like it. Yeah, I like it. Didn't even know we were going to talk betting today, but but I like. I, I didn't like <laughs> What you did. There. <laughs> All right. Well, we've got a bunch of topics to get through here. Some are roster free agency related. Some are summer league related, and and we're going to start there in the summer league because, as you may have heard, Brad uh, one Chet Holmgren made his summer league debut on Tuesday, and. Uh, a lot of people were quite excited about this development. 23 points, 7 rebounds, 4 assists, 1 steal, 6 blocks, 4 three-pointers, 18 of those points in the first half. Obviously, it's summer league, but I mean, the eye test was really impressive. So I want to get your takeaways. Uh, how do we react to this rationally? Can we react to this rationally? Yeah, I. if you have Twitter and follow any basketball-related anything, it was probably the first yeah. thing you saw uh, anytime, anytime last night. Um these are just freakishly good numbers, like video game numbers. And yeah. it was somehow more impressive if you watched what he was doing out there. Like he he dribbled up the ball and pulled up for a three once. He had yeah. Dirk Nowitzki-esque fadeaway, a couple of good did. passes, uh, fun blocks. I mean, what what can't he do is probably what a lot of people are thinking after that. Um, of, of course, I'm excited. How can you not be? But my concern is the same as it always is with this darn thunder team and what they're going to do and to our knowledge i believe they're still trying to get mr wimbanyama next year or have the best chances of doing so but if you have this foundation of sga and giddy and lou dort who's now making so much money and and chet of of course like is that enough 
to maybe win and get a, a, a play in spot? Like, is that totally crazy to, to think? I mean, I'm not, I'm not totally sure, but I, I'm hoping they change their mind maybe and be like, yeah, you know, maybe we can win some games this year and we'll work with what we have and go from there. But I, I don't know. I don't know. I, yeah. I, I think the safer way to think of it in terms of fantasy is if you draft Chet Holmgren, what a glorious 50 something games you're going to get. And yeah. maybe, maybe the experience is so overpoweringly good that you reach a point in the season. I don't know if it's January or something where you, where you say, man, I, I cannot trade this guy. I don't want to trade this guy. He's, he's this is they're going it's going to be different maybe that's the point where you trade him you know what i mean like you may reach such a great opportunity to deal him after you know getting an awesome lift for the first half because i I just i just keep thinking i just don't believe oklahoma city until i see it you know i'm i'm i love the young players including holmgren and super impressed with some of the things you mentioned like even though he did get like double teamed and totally got his pocket picked at at half court (laughs) at one point like the ball handling was pretty impressive like He's a guy who can play on the perimeter clearly. You know, it, the three-point range is there. The shot blocking is obviously legit, even though he's the skinniest player any of us have laid eyes on <laughs> who knows how long. So, I mean, I think fantasy-wise, he's going to be fantastic. It's just that one variable we keep coming back to. And I don't know. I mean, you're trying to win your league, but fantasy is also about having fun. Like, it's going to be really hard not to draft Chet Holmgren at a certain point. And, and on at least some rosters. I definitely don't think I can be all in on every roster just because of the risk we talked about. But I'm going to have to get him in some leagues. Yeah. If I don't have him somewhere, I think I'll be pretty pretty bummed, yeah. honestly. And yeah. to, his, to his credit also, he was playing last night with a lot of guys I think he's going to play with during the season. Like, this team is young, so a lot of guys were playing last night. I mean, he was Holmgren was so good that not a ton of people, not as many people, are talking about Josh Giddy. Uh He was really good 14 points five boards 11 mm-hmm. assists two steals two blocks um and Jalen Williams his his summer league debut the one without the Y Jalen Williams yeah okay. uh, 17 points five boards a three on eight of 11 so I think both of those guys Holmgren included of course are gonna I think they're gonna play a lot and it's it, I think it helps Shet that he's starting to build chemistry with some of these guys that he'll probably play some minutes with over the course of the season that is a ridiculously fun team and it's a shame that we have to talk about – we already have to talk about the potential of shutdowns <laughs> with this team uh, in July. I know. <laughs> um, another guy who went high in the draft, Keegan Murray, the number four overall pick to the Kings, was also really impressive on Tuesday. He's had a couple of eye-catching summer league lines, 24 points, seven rebounds, three steals, one block, two three-pointers on Tuesday. I mean, that's kind of in line with his college stat profile right i mean that's almost like what he did last year at iowa so brad what's been your impression of this guy because just on the surface before i throw to you i'll say i'm similarly i mean it's not chet holmgren level eye-catching stuff but keegan murray quietly really impressive yeah i i think being quiet like you said might help him a little bit i think a couple one or two other guys are gonna be the talk of the town in terms of the Mm -hmm. rookies and i think that could help uh some fantasy managers snag him later than he should go I mean, yep, he yep. he averaged almost 20 points per game on 51% shooting in those three summer league games, and that includes a nine-point game uh, on against the Heat on Sunday. And all his games were quite well-rounded. The assists weren't there, it was, but that's really the only thing. Like you said, three steals in the block last night and 1.3 steals, 0.7 blocks, uh, 2.33s over those uh, three summer league games. And I, I don't think they're the thunder in the sense that I don't think they're going to totally blow it open after the break or after 50, 55 games they play. 
So I, I'm very much all in on him. His fantasy skill set is one that we saw in, in, in college. We were like, hey, like this is good stuff. And now he's just proved it three times uh, already yeah. to be like, hey, I, I'm able to do this at, in summer league, yes, but at the professional level. So uh, count me in uh, another guy. If I don't get him anywhere, I'll be <laughs> pretty, pretty bummed. Yeah, I mean, it looks like a guy who, you know, the the perimeter game looks really good. Like his shot is really smooth, catch and shoot, uh, you know, can play in the post, can get to the basket off the dribble. I mean, just looks like a guy can do everything. And I, I keep thinking about now he had this is different because Scotty Barnes last year's number four overall pick didn't have the eye catching college numbers. Uh, Keegan Murray did. But I mean, I, I find myself thinking, man, if there's a guy who's going to could another guy who were kind of maybe fly under the radar compared to the other rookies who could have a Scotty Barnes type of impact as a rookie. I mean, I think it's Keegan Murray. And and I do think, like you said, kind of the fact that he's a number four pick, mm-hmm. we're thinking about the other guys ahead of him uh, might make him not fly under the radar in fantasy. I think I think a lot of fantasy players will be, managers will be onto Keegan Murray, but a guy who you might get a little later in drafts than some of these other rookies uh, who yeah. could have an awesome rookie year. Definitely. All right. In some other offseason news, uh, let's talk about the Nets for a minute. Shams Charania said on the Pat McAfee show on Tuesday that, quote, the Nets are making moves in preparation as if they're bringing Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving back next season. Now, worth noting that same day, they signed TJ Warren to a one-year deal. And I want to get to Warren in a second, Brad. But first, as for this Durant-Kyrie thing, I don't find myself really lingering on that news. I mean, maybe the Nets will actually try to run it back, but I guess I don't totally take that at face value. And I, I don't believe that changes are not coming, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. Either way, though, I mean, if you have thoughts on that, I want to hear them. But I, I think I'm more intrigued to talk about Warren as a potential late round fantasy flyer, because whether the Nets do blow things up like we expect they might, or whether they keep this roster intact and injuries hit, I mean, this is a guy who either at the beginning of the season or at some point in the season could step into a huge role for the Nets and is kind of a forgotten guy for a lot of people. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, it's this waiting game is getting a little, little lengthy. I'll, I will say, yeah. but um, yeah, we we can't do anything about it. We have no power as uh, fantasy basketball gurus here. But um, in due time, um, I I love I love Warren. I, I he hasn't played in like twelve years, but he twelve. The last yeah. time he played, he was very very good. Remember, he had that fifty three point game in in the bubble. Uh, and just was fantastic there, which seems like a lifetime ago, honestly. But still, he has game. Uh, the injury is weird, and he has taken his time with it. And I, I think his fantasy value will depend on what the team ends up doing, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, I, I think he could legitimately be a first and at worst second uh, offensive option if KD and Kyrie do leave. Mm-hmm. And in that case, I would be very ex- excited about him in fantasy leagues if – that if that duo does stay, um, he'll probably come off the bench. Uh, no, nothing set in stone yet, uh, of course. But it'd be hard yeah. to envision him starting with uh, the makeup of their roster right now. And could he still have some value as a bench guy scoring 12, 14 points a game? I, I think potentially, but definitely not as much reason to be excited as as compared to if KD and Kyrie were uh, headed elsewhere. Yeah, agreed. And and just as a reminder, I mean, we last saw TJ Warren briefly in December of 2020. Uh, yeah. He is 28 now, will turn 29 in September. His last full season, the season before that, uh, which you referenced, 19.8 points per game, 4.2 rebounds, 1.5 assists, 
1.2 steals, 0.5 blocks, 1.43s, stellar percentages, 53.6 from the floor, 81.9 from the line. So this is a guy who, you know, assuming he's healthy, can take on a high volume role and be a pretty good fantasy guy, more than just points and threes. So yeah. mm-hmm. uh, a guy to keep on all of our radars. Meanwhile, this is actually our first podcast, Brad, since the big news Friday afternoon that the Jazz have traded one Rudy Gobert to Minnesota. Now, I think it's safe to say we feel pretty confident that Rudy is going to hold value uh, in Minnesota. I I would have similar expectations even with this odd front court experiment that the Wolves are doing. But I want to look at this from the Jazz side of things, and in particular the front court, because a a lot has obviously changed there. And I mean, for starters... If you just look at the depth chart on NBC Sports Edge, there's not a lot of front. There's not a lot in front of Jared Vanderbilt at power forward in Utah right now, yeah. and at center, Hassan Whiteside, if I'm not mistaken, is still a free agent, and rookie Walker Kessler is there now. And sure, a lot can change from Ju- uh, July 6th onward, but I mean, this is a guy who I'm already thinking, depending on what happens with Whiteside, might have a shot to start and has a very intriguing skill set, Brad. Yeah, I, I think it will. It's gonna be. It's gonna be interesting. I think it will depend on what happens with Whiteside. Um, Whiteside might have the upper hand on Kessler just because he's he's been in the league uh, yeah. longer, obviously. But I think whoever starts, um, I think they're gonna be at the worst, like on the verge of startable in fantasy leagues. Like at the very worst, and possibly startable nightly if, if they're healthy and uh, doing good things. I mean, Kessler's shot blocking upside is just it, just ridiculous. Yeah, um, he's he's a good screener. He doesn't have much of a shooting game, but he's kind of serves that Rudy Gobert role, but maybe a little more. I, I don't know, a little more active. Not that Gobert is not active, of course, but a little more. I, I don't know. I don't know. But I, if Kessler does end up starting, Hassan is elsewhere. Uh, definitely, definitely count me in. Um, but if Hassan does stay, if he ends up starting, I would also be intrigued by that, to be honest, because. We're not even a couple seasons removed from his first round finish in Portland, uh, remember? And even last year in a reserved role, in a, in a reserve role, he almost got eight boards and 1.6 blocks in less than 18 minutes per game. Uh, so the, the per minute stuff is really good. And it's hard to make a judgment call right now because we don't know where he's going or if he's going somewhere. But um, mm-hmm. I think whoever starts at that center spot could be uh, could, could be some fun. For sure. And have we mentioned Walker Kessler's numbers at Auburn last year? Because if not, we need to mention them. 11.4 points, 8.1 rebounds, 1.1 seals, 4.6 blocks. That yeah. would be a 4.6. <laughs> and if you, if you want to say, oh, well, we can't take college blocks and you know mo- translate that to the NBA, sure, we can't. But we can take a 4.6 and confidently say... If that guy gets enough minutes, he is going to be at bare minimum like a two blocks per game guy in the NBA, yeah. you know, yeah. given that skill set. So uh, that is exciting. And I was just going to say, I think the Jazz head coach is barely older than Hassan Whiteside. He is the Jazz 30, head coach is 34. 34. Yeah. Hassan Whiteside is 33. <laughs> in my mind, uh, the Jazz, eventually, this is going to trend toward Walker Kessler. I just have to think. And so... I do think Hassan Whiteside, if he's back, has a chance for some fantasy-relevant weeks or months. Uh, but, I mean, ultimately, Walker Kessler, I think, is the guy that I would want to make sure I have. That's just, that's just where I am as of early July. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm on the same page. I, I think Hassan will probably be on the move, but you never know uh, anymore. And I, I do think that's a good point, the, the whole youth thing. I mean, right now, 
Um, Mike Conley, who's the same age as his coach, and Rudy Gay is older than his, than his coach, which is yeah. kind of wild, kind of wild to think about. But um, yeah, yeah. No, that's a that's a great point. Uh, all right. Also, over the weekend, Zion Williamson signed a five-year, hundred ninety-three million dollar extension that could be worth up to two hundred thirty-one million. <laughs> Zion Williamson, who has played eighty-five NBA games, Brad uh, gets his extension. When we last saw him, he was putting up twenty-seven points per game, around seven boards, three point seven dimes, point nine steals, point six blocks. 0.23s. I mean, there may be bigger risk reward picks in fantasy leagues this year, but he's certainly near the top of that list. So where do you land on this one? Are you on the side of, I got to get Zion on some rosters, or are you on the side of, I need to see it first and I'm staying away until I see he can stay healthy? I'm, I'm probably leaning closer to the second option, if I'm being honest. Um, with mm-hmm. Even with those numbers you spit out, which were uh, fantastic, he was still just yeah. a sixth-round guy um, last uh-huh. last year, I guess. Um, the steals and blocks, just 1.5 combined, like you said. Um, not part of his game quite yet. We haven't really seen that. I, I, ver- I very much think we can. Um, yeah. He's so athletic, and he can block. We've seen him in college block shots like out of, out of the gym, basically. And right. his free his free throws are just south of seventy percent too, and so that's already just three categories on paper in which he's either hurting or not so much helping you, if if that if that makes sense. So yeah, I, I do think he can figure all those things out. Um, but he is coming off of a full miss season; he did not play one second. And I would be surprised if he did figure everything out uh, coming off of so much missed time. But could it happen? Very much so. And could it pay off for someone who takes him? in the third round, a hundred percent. So it could pay off, but I'm, I'm trying to, be, it is a bit of a more, more risky than I would like to more risk than I would like to take uh, on, on someone like that. But yeah, I mean, yeah. 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 I mean, I mean, we play a lot of us play in nine category fantasy leagues and you didn't even mention the threes, which I mentioned earlier yeah, point two. I mean, that's, if you think he's free throws, aren't going to be great. Threes aren't going to be great. Steals and blocks are a question mark. That's, four categories where you're either not getting what you need or you're not sure what you're going to get. And I, I'm I'm with you that I think Zion steals and blocks can and should improve. Will that happen this year? I don't know. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's not so much, well, I wouldn't draft him under any circumstances, but I think I'm going to rank him a little bit conservatively, move him down a little bit in my rankings to where if other people are being super aggressive, they're going to get him. And, yeah. and in a league where it's a bunch of people who are like ah a little unsure i might get him that's kind of that's kind of where i'm at yeah and he's already such a he's already a big name like everyone knows who he is even only though he's barely played in the league so yeah, i think because of that alone i, I think yeah someone else will take him in, in the second late second round and i wouldn't be I all think that so. surprised yeah i think he's gonna go early in a lot of leagues and that's fine i mean i think it's I see what you're doing. You're taking a big swing, and that can yeah. win fantasy leagues. By the way, it is Zion's 22nd birthday today, and it's a shame uh, yeah. that Dr. A isn't here with his party hats, <laughs> party paraphernalia to celebrate. Maybe next time I see Steve, we'll have a little celebration. Um, a belated celebration. Yes. Okay, more Max contract news. Darius Garland also got the old five-year, $193 million max extension, which could be worth up to $231 million. This is coming off a year where he averaged... 21.7 points, 8.6 dimes, 1.3 steals, 2.6 threes. Good percentages. The only downside, Brad, that I see is the high turnovers, 3.6. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on drafting Garland? Because conversely to what we just said about Zion, this is a guy I, I can't really f- target aggressively enough, I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm if this is me just trying to find reasons to be concerned, and it's that okay, context. Yeah, context. Yeah, Bring context. me down a little bit. Bring me down a little bit. There. 
Yeah. Uh, Colin Sexton, as of now, is is, is still there, as we know. Um, and right. then they, they signed Rubio and Raul Neto recently, I think. So they, they have a ton of guards. But do I think any of them are going to ruin Garland's fantasy value? Absolutely not. Um, I think at the worst, we see Sexton stay and score quite a bit. And maybe Garland mm-hmm. scores a few less points. But Sexton's a guy that Garland could pass to. And he could get up to nine, nine and a half call me crazy, but 10 assists a game maybe. And that would just help. Those are the second scarcest category in fantasy leagues, as we know. And right. yeah, I'm, I'm all over him. Uh, third rounder. I think he'll be taken in the second. And if he's there at, in the third, I, and I need a point guard, especially if I need a point guard, I a hundred percent take him confidently. The floor is 22 points, almost nine assists, you know, decent steals, good threes. I mean, I, like you said, I mean, Sexton, the market for Sexton is a little, is pretty quiet right now. We don't it know what's going to happen. If he's back, if he's back, that would give me just a tiny bit more pause with Garland. But other than that, I mean, it's all systems go for me with this guy. Yeah. Because after what he just did, I mean, would you be shocked if he came out on average like 24 and 9 this season? I mean, I certainly wouldn't be. So Not, not at all. Not at all. Uh, so, yeah, fun times there. Last note is less fun, but I'm still interested in it. It's Jalen Smith uh, is back with the Pacers on a two-year deal, according to Shams Trani of The Athletic. In just 25 minutes per game after arriving with Indiana, Brad, a reminder that he averaged 13.4 points, 7.6 rebounds, 1.43s, and 1.0 blocks. And to me, I guess my initial thought on this is this is a guy who maybe could end up with some sneaky value as we think about, you know, Miles Turner and, you know, Patadze and the other big guys in that Pacers front court. I think we should make sure we don't forget about Jalen Smith at the end of our drafts because he, he's already proven he doesn't need a lot of time to produce, and he seems like a guy that the sort of retooling, rebuilding Pacers might like. Yeah, I mean, un- unfortunately, I do think Miles Turner is is the X factor here. Um, yeah. But it, it does bode well for Smith that he did share time with both Isaiah Jackson and Goga plenty. Like, they're all guys that got pretty decent minutes, like, towards the end in the whole silly season uh, right. <laughs> chunk of, the chunk of last year. And they all proved valuable at one point or another um yeah. jackson was hurt but goga had some crazy stat lines that i didn't even know he was capable of and smith was just kind of honestly like you said flying under the radar a bit and just kind of doing his thing quietly but still very very useful for for fantasy teams so if turner stays i'll be more off all all of them ever so slightly but if he's on the move uh which i i hope he is for the sake of all these young bigs that are all pretty fantasy friendly um, from what we've seen. Uh, I think all of them could be draftable at some point. And Smith's probably the guy that you could get last just because he, he kind of, like, he, like I said, again, he flies under the radar. He was traded yeah. uh, midseason last year. Um, nothing really jumps off the page, but very useful numbers. So, yeah, if I can get him in the later rounds, um, even, w- even with Turner, if I can get him, like, towards, like, the last few picks, like, I'd be very thrilled with that given the upside he showed uh end of last year agreed sir uh and that is going to do it for us on this episode don't forget to subscribe to the show on apple Podcasts, on spotify wherever you listen take a minute to rate and review us as well we'll be back here on friday to talk the latest from summer league and free agency Uh, i want to say thanks to everyone for listening and watching live big thanks to chris forsberg for coming by to talk celtics that was awesome and thanks to you brad for breaking all of this down i will talk to you soon of course thank you matt 
Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. From muddy jungle paths to snowy trails to rolling sand dunes, the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder is ready to take you to some of the most phenomenal destinations on Earth. In a Pathfinder, it's more than just the arrival. The real excitement comes from the ride to get there. With seven drive modes, Pathfinder's available intelligent four-wheel drive is built for some of the most epic journeys. So chase bigger, better, more exciting adventures in the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. Intelligent four-wheel drive cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions.